All right. If you'll stand with me. How many would rather be in the house of the Lord than standing out in this cold weather? <laughs> I'll be glad when it warms up so the rest of the saints will come back. Hallelujah. No, thank you for coming. Folks up north always make fun of us here. It gets in the 40s and we act like we can't hardly make it, right? Yeah. I will say this, the older I get, the more the cold is real to me. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, my wife, she's always saying, because I'm always fussing that I'm cold wherever I go, seem like. But anyway. Uh, I just want to reference two passages. We're still in the series that I began. This is the third in the series of things that are. And today uh, we're going to talk about things that are. And what one of the things that are or is, is healing. And, uh, and so Isaiah... 53 and 5, the last sentence of that verse says that by his stripes we what? Are healed. We are healed. Now that seems to be confusing and even that's written in the Old Covenant and in 1 Peter. Peter quotes it in 1 Peter 2.24 and he says by whose stripes you were healed. So he's referring back to the are. So how many knows if you were you are, that means you is Bad grammar, but truth anyway. And so I want to talk to you about a subject uh, that is really, I'm going to just go gut level honest with you today. After preaching this gospel for over 40 years, uh, this has been the most challenging area for me to live out, uh, not only as a minister, but as a Christian. Uh, there have been times in my life where I just became so discouraged uh, that I just didn't want to pray for folks that were sick. I would, I did, but I wouldn't push it. Uh, and that come on the heels of some very devastating uh, losses, I would say, where people that I prayed for earnestly uh, did not get healed, and we, we, they passed away. And it was just baffling to me. Uh, and I just didn't understand it. Uh, it was just so confusing. So many voices about healing and how to get healed and all that stuff that it was just, uh, it's, it was just so confusing. And, um, and so I want to address it from just straight. Uh, I, I believe I have an answer for you, so it's not going to be depressing. I, I think I've learned after over 40 years the way to approach it in a way, and for the way that you and I live our lives in regard to, uh, to this subject. So that's what I want to talk about today. Amen? Anybody interested in that? Or y'all want to go get a cup of coffee at the Waffle House? Hallelujah. Okay, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our God that heals us. Thank you that you have made provision for what you knew would happen when sin was invited into this planet, and that there will be sickness and they would be diseased, but it's not your will. And you made, Lord God, provision for our healing. And your word declares that by your stripes we are healed. So we claim what is in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, you may be seated. Thank you. I, uh, <clears throat> boy, this is a big subject. I have seen so many wonderful healings. And I'm talking about medically verified, doctor certified, if that helps you, healings. Uh, and, I, and I've, and, and I've thought, I thought about this over, you know, the last couple of few days here. And, uh, and I've, I've reviewed in my mind where I have seen the most fruit in healings. We've seen people right here, Mary Lee sitting back there. We always, you know, speak of her. Uh, healed of a tumor in her colon of cancer here when I didn't even know her. And, and it happened right here at this altar. Uh, saw a lady right here on one Sunday morning here healed of dyslexia. Just uh, battled with it all of her life. Uh, the night before, I'd had a dream about that. And I called that out. Uh, she, uh, she stood here, raised her hand. that She was the one that had dyslexia. 
I prayed for her. She was instantly healed, according to her, and uh, made her life so much simple. So sometimes it can be something that's, that, that, that if it's not taken away will take your life, like cancer, or it could be something uh, like dyslexia that you can live with, but it's sure tough. It makes it tough. And I've seen all kind of miracles. But I've looked, I went back and I've tried, you know, I've seen God uh, do so many uh, miraculous things. Uh, I've I told you the story. I'm not going to tell the stories today because it would eat up too much of my time. When I say stories, I mean testimonies. Had a lady at uh, Cornerstone that had, and I had, a, and, and the Lord spoke to me uh, of what to, what to call out. And that was a strange service for me. Uh, but one was a little finger. <laughs> And uh, I still know that lady personally. She was uh, healed in that service. And then the other one was bones and plates and screws. And there was a lady in our church that had lost plantar flexion ability of her ankle uh, due to uh, a, a severe break in surgery and plates and screws put in it. And she had lost ability to move her ankle on one foot in that way. It's called plantar flexion. And she had lost that and, and her bones were fused. And so when she went up steps, she had to step up with the one that could move and then just bring the other one up. And, uh, and she was uh, instantly healed that night. And, uh, and her and her husband, uh, and she's a very shy lady. She didn't even call it out to him until they got home. And uh, she told him to go in. She wanted to pet the dog or feed the cat or something. And, and, uh, and later he came out, called her name, said, well, what are you doing? And she said, watch this. And she walked up the steps healed and as soon as he saw his wife go up the steps he knew and uh and I didn't know any of that had happened and I didn't know who got healed in the service and I just by faith called out what I what I saw and uh he called me that next morning uh I think it was 7 30 8 o'clock in the morning I remember the first call was that I was in the shower and I was like who's calling so early you know and and I and I and I answered on the second call and uh, talked to him and he told me the story and uh and, and she, was, she was healed. And in fact, they were standing back in the service when I called that out. And I said, the Lord wants to heal somebody that's got problems with plates and screws and all that. And I didn't know where they were. I just knew that's what God said. And by faith, I did that. It's called a word of knowledge. And it came. And so I, I called that out. And, uh, and uh, he elbowed her, he said, and said, he's talking about you. You need to go down there for prayer. And he said that she said to him, because she's a very shy lady, she said, the Lord can heal me right here. And she said, and what she didn't tell him it, until when they got home is when she said that statement, the Lord can heal me right here, immediately she felt her ankles begin to tingle and get hot. And in her heart, she said she knew uh, that he was healing her, just like what she said. And then when she got home, she wanted to test it out privately before her husband watched. And they, I've been to their home, and they got very high steps, almost kind of like these, and she went up and down, and when he and he told me the next morning when he had me on the phone, he he was like a little kid. I'll never forget it. He said, "Pastor, you know, you just don't see this, but you see it, but you just don't see it." That's why he was talking. And he said, "We've been up all night," and he said, "We've laughed and we've cried and we've danced and we've praised God and we've been so excited we just couldn't sleep." And that's why I called you so early because I couldn't wait to tell you. And so I've seen those type of miracles. You know, and then I tell people that and they want to go, well, I wonder did the plate and screws get dissolved? Are they still in there? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is she can walk and she doesn't have pain anymore. <clears throat> and what was so added additionally neat about that, she had had uh, wasn't it knee, replacement, uh, knee replacement surgery a few months or a month or so before whatever. And so on her last appointment with her orthopedic surgeon, she asked him about this ankle, which had been broken like eight years, nine years prior. And she said, I have a lot of trouble with this ankle. And now it's been eight or nine years. Can you take the screws and the plates out and, you know, give me some movement and my feet swell sometimes and I can't wear the pretty shoes that I want to wear sometimes? And he said, uh, I can, as a surgeon, yes, take those plates and screws out now because your bones are fused. But he said it will not return your plantar flexion ability, and, it, and, and the trauma that would you know you incur would not be worth it. So no, ma'am. She said, "Okay, well, I just thought I would ask." A week later, I called that out in the service, and she was healed. Uh, maybe Papa heard her say that, 
I don't know. Uh, I've seen all kind of stuff. I remember uh, being in a little uh, church of God. I'm just saying it so you, you know, that's how the story goes. And, and by that I mean it was Pente that's a Pentecostal church if you don't know what that is. And the one I was preaching at and had been there for, I'd preach there every year for years. Uh, I'd go run a revival there. And uh, so, and they were really Pentecostal. Uh, and in fact, I sometimes I would call them the bulldog squad of you know, the prayer part. You know, in other words, if you had somebody and you call for them to come help you pray, they'd be on her like a bulldog. And so, uh, but anyway, I got up to preach that night at this church of God and I looked out and there was a lady sitting on the end of the pew and I didn't know her. And most time I go to churches like that, I don't know anybody. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her. And she was sitting alone. Nobody near her. She looked like to me she was, I'd say, in her 30s, mid-30s maybe. And, uh, and so I'm a little bit timid on that kind of stuff, a little bit. Because, uh, you know, you're doing stuff. I, I can do the preaching. But when you mess with people, that's when you get in trouble or fun or whatever you want to call it. But I just remember I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her. And I didn't know what for. And that's the way God does. He kind of spoon feeds you a little bit. That's the way he does me anyway. He just gives you what you need to know. You need to do that, and maybe you'll get some more, maybe not. And I've had God say, pray for them. And then, you know, but my, my custom was always once they start walking down, then, of course, inside my heart, you know, not out loud, I'm saying, you know, Papa, what is it? You know, what, what am I praying for them for? Uh, and um, so anyway, so I said, ma'am, can I pray for you? Would you mind if I pray for you? No, no, I, the pastor just introduced me. I just went up and stood behind the pulpit like now to start to preach. People are expecting a sermon. They're not expecting me to call out people to pray for them. So I said, ma'am, can I pray for you? I felt like I was supposed to do it right then. And, uh, and, and, and she just nodded. And uh, she seemed pretty shy to me. So she walked down the aisle while she's coming. I, in my heart, I said, Papa, what is it? And I heard one word, infirmity. It's not a word I necessarily use. In our common language, I'd say sick or, you know, whatever. But I heard the word infirmity. So I decided just to use the word God said to me. And when she stood before me, I didn't ask her, did she have an infirmity? Because to be honest with you, I'd afraid she would, might tell me no. And that would make me look really bad in front of people. So I said, ma'am, uh, I felt God said to me that you have an infirmity. And I want to pray for you. I didn't ask her what it was or anything uh, like that. But I could tell when I said that to her, she really kind of physically, she didn't fall down. Or nothing. She, I could just tell, you know, like, with her eyes, I, mean, I could tell she reacted to that word. And that made me feel like I was on target, that that was prompt, that was correct. And I said, if you don't mind, I'm just going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And, and we're going to believe, God, that, that this infirmity will leave you. And she just, real sweet lady, nodded. And what I didn't know, I was praying for a Methodist woman. You got to be sweet when you're praying for Methodist people in a Pentecostal church, right? And so I was glad I didn't call the whole church down there to pray for her because I love the church. I love those people. But they would have been, you know, one of them would have been on one side hollering, turn loose, and the other one been on the other side saying, hang on, and all that stuff. So I just laid my hands gently on her and I just said, you know, be healed in Jesus' name. And she didn't fall down, and I didn't look super anointed, and she didn't do any physical demonstrative thing. And she returned to her seat without fanfare. I returned to the pulpit and preached my sermon and went home. And I finished the revival out. And a, and a week later, uh, I received a call from a pastor, and he identified himself, never heard of him, never heard of the church. And he said, I'm Pastor So-and-so from So-and-so Methodist Church and, uh, and, uh, in, Bacon, in Bacon County is where it was. And, and uh, he said that I would like for you to come and run us a revival. And uh, I thought, that's weird. Most of the time I don't get calls from Methodists want me to run a, run a revival. But so I've learned even in those situations, I just on the phone, I just in my heart, what you know, Lord, what do I do here? And I felt that you know, I didn't hear God say, Thou shalt go, or none of that, you know, but I felt that I was to go. So we scheduled it just a few weeks ahead. I went there on a Sunday night. We ran through Friday night at this Methodist church out in the country. And uh, 
And so when I got there, I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know who the pastor was. Didn't, I knew his name. Didn't know what he looked like. I got there. I sat on the front row. Of, I don't think Jill was able to go that night for some reason. I, and I carried I, one of my elders. Uh, when, I, when I was pastoring Cornerstone, so one of my elders rode with me. And we sat on the front pew. And, and, uh, and then a little bit, the pastor come in and introduced himself. He said, I'm pastor so-and-so. I think his name was Tommy. And, and he introduced himself, and he said, Brother Young, we are so glad to have you. Thank you for coming, and let us know if you need anything, and whatever. Very traditional church. And I sat there. They had a choir. They sung out of the Burgundy or Greenback hymnals. Y'all know what I'm saying? If you look in those books, page 92 is a song called Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Make everything all right. Google me, see if I ain't right on that one. Because that's what I was raised on. So they did all of the normal, very traditional, and I'm cool with that. I'm there to serve them. And I'm not there trying to make them Pentecostal. I'm not trying to make them anything. I'm just trying to preach the gospel. So I'm sitting on, the, on this side with my elder. They do the choir singing. They do their stuff. And then they had a piano on this side. And a lady comes up to sing, and the pianist is behind her. And she, and she kind of looked familiar to me, but I wasn't sure. And she said, I want to sing this song. And, and before I sing it, I want to give a a, a quick testimony. And I could see the whole church was just beaming. They, you could tell they really loved this little gal. And, and uh, she said, I was in a service that Brother Young was running revival just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, and she named the church. That's where I was. And, I, and it hit me. That's the woman I called out. And she said, church, you all know this, but I just want to give God praise. She said, I had been diagnosed with three tumors in my breast, and my doctor told me it did not look good and they uh, were going to do a biopsy to, to decide what treatment, you know, to, to provide. And she said, so I, I was so uh, scared and so wanted to be, you know, God to heal me that I heard that this, he was running a revival over here at this church, and, and I went. And just to, you know, see if God would, would heal me. All right, now imagine this woman. She goes to a Pentecostal church, she may have knew somebody. She wasn't sent with anyone. If she knew anybody in there, I have no idea. She went, she got out of her comfort zone. She went to this church. She's sitting there in faith. She's scared to death on one hand because of the three tumors in her breast. The doctor told her it looks cancerous. She don't know that he's going to do a biopsy and decide the treatment level. And they've got it scheduled. So she's out seeking. You ain't no other way to say it. And there in that service, sitting there in her little faith, Here's a guy, me, that don't know doodly, okay, about her or nothing. And he gets up to preach. And he pauses and not, doesn't do his sermon, and he asks her, can he pray for her? That's pretty cool. And then while she's walking down, and she stands in front of this preacher that she don't know, this preacher says, you have an infirmity. That means a sickness, disease. And that was correct. Now imagine what her faith is doing. Her faith went from maybe here to here, and then when I said infirmity, that's pretty specific. That ain't a guess. Then her faith is off the chart. Who is her faith in? It's in Jesus. Because she knows I don't know doodly. She knows this can only be God. She puts her faith in Him, and listen to me, she receives what was already provided for her before she was born. This is why you are healed. Now, I've heard preachers say that, that uh, and there's one that's on TVA, his name leaves me right now, but he's a real big proponent of this, and he'll make a statement sometimes. He'll say, he'll say God's not going to save anybody today. I agree with that theologically. And God's not going to heal anybody today. I agree with that theologically. You have to be careful because people, but, but what we mean by that is God don't have a calendar circled that, that on that day, I'm going to save your loved one. Or on that day, I'm going to save you. The day you were saved is not in the, you, you know, that he's going to save you is in the future, it's in the past. And he saved us all at the cross and the whole world. And he, and he, but the day you receive it pretty much is up to you. And it's the same way with your healing. So we could say theologically, by his, by his death on the cross, you are saved. But that don't mean you received it immediately, right? When people say, Brother Dale, when did you get saved? I say 2,000 years ago. But you know, when, but when did you waken up to it? 
Well, that'd be like 1974, 73, 12 years old. That's when I awakened to the truth that I was saved because my Savior had come and I believed in Him. Okay? So it's the same way with your healing. Okay? Uh, so God's not, doesn't have a circle on the calendar on that day I'm going to heal you. Now like, now like, uh, and, and so it, I, I'm taking too much time. God help me with this. But what I'm saying is this is where I have seen the most fruit. And there's a point that I'm trying to tell you. I'm not trying to tell you I'm nothing. I'm not trying to say I'm great. Now I've prayed for hundreds and th probably thousands of people. I know I have in over 40 years for healing. But where I've seen the most people healed is when I've been able to do things like that. Or either I've had dreams or God gives me a word of knowledge. You know, and, and it's something that boosts the faith of that person. Now, Mary Lee's sitting back there shaking her head. And so when I, I didn't know Mary Lee Barnes, and I didn't know her, never even seen her as far as I know. I had just got here as the pastor. We were doing a Feast of Tabernacles, first one ever done. And, uh, and I gave a testimony about a little lady in Enigma, Georgia, named Sister Crook, that walked with a walker that got totally healed of some bone disease that was going to take her to her bed, and then she would have died of something else, they said, like blood clots or whatever, you know. And it was a very degenerative bone disease, and she walked with a walker. And I don't have time to give a whole testimony. But she was totally healed. Her and her, her, uh, her brother that came up from Perry, Florida, the visitor with bleeding ulcers, was totally healed that night. And, and all kinds of stuff happened that night. And, and just a side note, my wife was in ICU at the hospital while I was praying for those people in Enigma. And don't think I hadn't prayed for her, and she didn't get healed, and she's in ICU. Okay, see law. You know what I'm saying, Paul? You know. so, so I was telling that testimony about that, and so here comes Mary Lee with a walker. And she comes down front and puts her, I remember, you know, puts her head on a walker. And so, but when, and I've just, I'm still learning, guys, but I want, you know, and she's sitting back there, so I, I, that's the reason I tell that, because we've got a real person that can go, yeah, that's true or not. But she had her head on her walker, you know, leaning in on it, because she felt so horrible. She was running like 102, 103 temperature or something. And I didn't know none of that. I didn't know what's wrong with the woman. I mean, you see somebody with a walker, you know something's wrong with them, you know? And so she come down, but when I got in front of her, I, I, I said in my heart, uh, Papa, what is it? And, uh, and he said, abdomen. And so everybody was already, some of the people, and I don't mean this knocking the people here, our, our people, but some of the women and all were already praying for her for her bones and stuff because I had just given testimony by a lady with bones and with a walker and all that. So it's easy to make that leap and assume, well, this woman's got some bone trouble. And that's why she came. Well, she didn't have bone trouble, and that's not why she was on the walker. And so, uh, so, um, but when I stood before Mary Lee, not knowing her, and, and, I, and I, I said, look at me, and I said, I, I said you're not here because of uh, bones or joints or anything. She just nodded no. And I said, uh, uh, in fact, I said, the Lord uh, says this in your abdomen. And she did that. As soon as I said that, I heard colon in my spirit. It's hard to explain it. Anyway, and I said, in fact, it's in your colon. That's pretty darn specific, y'all. Pretty specific. Guess what happened to Mary Lee's faith when I did that? It went boom, off the chart high. In whom? In him. And then when her faith is at level, she received what he had provided for her on the cross. By his stripes, you're healed. God didn't decide to heal her that night. Her faith made a withdrawal of what was already in the bank. I'm trying to get you to understand something about healing. Because if you think God arbitrarily decides, okay, I'm going to heal Ivory, but I'm not going to heal this person today. But I will heal Ivory because I like Ivory. How many knows God loves Ivory? He loves Ivory. I've asked him, he loves Ivory. <laughs> But God's, but see, if you think that's how God is, then it'll make you not, because that makes God a respecter of person. That makes God have favorites. That makes God have people that he wants to heal and other people that he wants to stay sick. That's a messed up view of God. 
So I'm trying to help you today to see that God's not that kind of God. Okay? And so I could stand here all day long and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle like these I've told you that I have seen God heal. Now, if I had never seen God heal anybody, then that in itself would be baffling to me because uh, I've read the Bible. <laughs> and I, I've read over and over. There's five different places in the New Testament where it says Jesus healed them all. I can never find one person that Jesus did not heal. I can't find anybody that Jesus said it's not for today. And I sure as heaven can't find anybody that God said, I put this disease on you to teach you a lesson. Like the dumb church taught me. And I mean religion. And then these same people theologically do a 180 because they believe in their theology that God sometimes gives people cancer so that he can teach them a lesson. And then they run down to the oncologist to get it off of them. What you trying to get something off that you think God's behind? That's blasphemous. If you think God gave you the sickness, just enjoy and get all the learning you can. Don't go to the doctor. See, y'all don't even like that, but that's the truth anyhow. See how messed up that thinking is? God can't give you cancer because he don't have it. God can only give you what he has. God can only give you what he is. God is not cancer. He doesn't have it. It doesn't come from him. Anything that steals, kills, or destroys, not from Papa. Anything that's filled with life, joy, peace, that's from him. Don't get it confused, right? I know people, I know Christians that have never, can, they can honestly say, I have never, ever seen a miraculous healing ever in my Christian life. They would just have to say, honestly, I've never seen, I don't even know of anybody that's ever been supernaturally, miraculously healed that I can really know, that I know of. And so, and then yet I know people I've met in person, like Bill Johnson, pastor's Bethel Church in, in Redding, California, who, uh, according to his testimonies, I don't know, I don't hang out and eat hamburgers with him, but he sees healings uh, rather regularly in his ministry. So much so that I drove my youngest son with a, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, thickening the heart muscle diagnosis um, to, uh, uh, as I look back, probably out of desperation, but it didn't matter, just out of love. I want to see my kid healed. I don't care how he gets healed. I drove him to Alabama where Bill was preaching and made specific effort and was successful in getting Bill Johnson himself to put his hands on my son. I drove my son to Lake, Lakeland, Florida one time where a great revival was going on and, and, um, and, and took my wife and my daughter and, and my son and, uh, when we was first diagnosed and, and carried him down there specifically to be prayed for uh, by this very powerful evangelist and, to, and, and with all the faith I knew how to, for him to be healed. The line was so long, it was taking hours. And my son, being a young teenager, 19, 20 at that point, he said, Daddy, I don't want to wait that long. And I said, well, I don't care what you want to do. I brought you down here for that man up yonder to put his hands on you. And so as soon as he put, he said, well, I want to go to the motel room. I said, well, as soon as that man out here prays for you, you can go to the motel room. He said, well, I'm going to skip the line then. I said, I don't care how you get in there. But you ain't leaving this sanctuary till that man out there puts his hands on you. And Austin being Austin went out there and broke line. <laughs> and that man laid his hands on my son and once I saw that and I'm believing for, for miracles we didn't see it didn't happen Bill Johnson's seen all kind of miracles he ain't been too awful long buried his wife with cancer he buried his daddy with cancer and yet he's seen hundreds and probably thousands of people healed of the very same things why? good question uh, you know, if I've never seen God heal, it'd be easy to do like a lot of preachers and ministries do, to, and they say this, because they've never seen it. And one reason they've never seen it, you know why they've never seen it? Because they ain't never prayed for nobody sick. You know what they do in those churches for sick people? They put them on their prayer list, and they put it on the bulletin board down the hall. Let's remember our sick and our shut-ins. 
If you you got to pray for the sick because Jesus said do it, right? Uh, but, you know, so they say, well, we've never seen nobody healed, so what they do is they, they change their theology to match their experience and say God doesn't do that anymore. He used to, but he don't do that today. So therefore, they don't pray for the sick. And anybody that does pray for the sick to be healed like me, then that, they look at that person like a carnival sideshow or suspect or a weirdo. But what's all the more baffling to me as a minister is I have seen many, many people miraculously healed. And so I've seen too many uh, authentic, miraculous, medically verified healings to be able to say God doesn't heal today. I can't say that because I've seen him do it. And, and so, but I've also had to walk away from people that, that God didn't heal. And they died. And I preached their funeral. And, uh, and then what that does is open me up to all kinds of questions. So then I go, well, wh why this time and not that time? Well, you know, uh, wh why did you heal this person that I prayed for and you didn't heal this person that I prayed for? Because I prayed the same prayer. I did it the, I did it the same way. And, and, and so how, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to approach this subject? How am I supposed to preach on it? And, and I've tried to figure it out option. And I want to tell you, that, that'll wear you out. Uh, it, and rationalization, rationalizing, and theolo using your theology, theologizing, that's, I'm making up a word there, but, but that, that don't mean anything when you're standing by the bedside of a child dying of cancer. And you're looking in the face of mom and dad over here, and, and, and the kid's laying there, and, and the cancer's taking that kid's life, I mean, and, and this, you know, this ain't something I read in the book. I mean, I mean, I've lived that. We had a little, we had, a, I had a Christian school that still goes today in Cook County. And, and, and I, you know, they don't even, people go there and don't even probably know, and I, you know, anybody there, anyway. You can probably tell I got some wounds over that still. But I, I started a school called Cornerstone Christian Academy that went for six, seven years. Seven years, I can't remember, six, seven years. And now it's Cook Christian Academy. And, uh, but when I was, when we had the school, I had a little boy, I think he was eight, he was eight years old. His name was Jonah. And he got cancer. And uh, put him in Children's Hospital Atlanta. Me and Jill made trips to, uh, to the Children's Hospital there in Atlanta, getting treatment. We've done all, you know, we visited, we prayed, we believed, we had church praying, we've done all this stuff. And, and, and long story short, the kid died. Now, what made that death even more traumatic, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you remember this, did, did, the, did the kid die first or then his daddy or the daddy and then his kid? You, do you, huh? Okay, so I done preached his dad's funeral. Young guy in his 40s, about off to firefighter, died of cancer. Remember my church. He died. Cancer. Preached his funeral. Now the wife is there. She got a little eight-year-old. He gets cancer. He dies of cancer. I don't know if you, I mean, anyway. But pre standing in an open casket funeral as a minister of an eight-year-old, do, doing that was one of the worst experiences of my life and my ministry. Now it was after that that I said, I'm not, I ain't doing this no more. And I probably went several years. Now I would have people come up to me and say, would you pray for me for healing? And I would. But as far as me preaching on it and say, y'all come up here and God's going to heal you, I didn't do none of that for years after that. I just said, I'm, I'm just too confused. Apparently I don't know what's going on here. Because this, I mean, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. I mean, I just don't understand that. Look like me, if anybody's going to get healed, that little kid should have got healed. You know, I, I just don't get it. I mean, the family doesn't suffer. I mean, right now today, I can, there's a road that you've cut through from Valdosta to, to Nashville, and, and there's, you would never see it because it's, it's their own private plot. But there's a, there's a dirt road that runs down, and I know that's where I buried his daddy and I buried the eight-year-old. And I cannot ride that road without reliving that in my mind every time. Just drove past it last week, out working. And I replay that. And I remember the tears, and I remember the moans, and I remember the crying. And I remember all the things that, that, that accompany that. 
And it's just horrible. And I'm like, oh, why didn't you heal him? Come on, come, come on. What's the deal? He's eight. Come on. <laughs> you know what? And, and, and so, you know, and then I, I've read all kind of books. I've heard preachers, you know, with great eloquence preach sermons. And you can find them on Google. I don't advise it. And, you know, but they'll, you know, they'll preach sermons like, you know, 10 reasons God heals. Or they'll preach sermons like eight reasons uh, that, that some are not healed. And you can go down to points. And let me say this, theologically, I can go through Scripture and I can find you reasons that God seemingly healed. And I can go through Scripture, and, but I can't find reasons that God don't heal. But I can come up with reasons for you that maybe why God wouldn't heal you. And as a young, dumb preacher, I would preach some of that stuff just a couple of times. Because I heard other preachers, I thought, that's what you do. And I'm trying to see people healed. Now, after over 40 years of preaching, I'm just going to try to say it nice like this. I would never preach a sermon like that no more. Never, I, none of that helps. I've never preached a sermon, 10 reasons why God heals, and, and then somebody got healed after it. It, 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 don't, it don't work. And in fact, uh, to me, as a pastor now, Preaching sermons like that, to me, borders on spiritual abuse of the people that hear it. Don't abuse them, my guy. Don't, don't, be, don't do that. Because it don't help, and it just confuses people. Now, obviously, this is a mystery to some degree. It's a mystery. Uh, you know, I, I've tried all kinds of different approaches to get people healed. You, in 40 years, I've had time to experiment. So, you know, I've begged God to do it. And then I've kind of saw in Scripture where I didn't have Jesus prayed for sick people. So I said, you know, Jesus just said, be healed. So then I switched my prayer, you know, and then I'll just pray for you and be healed. And it don't work always. And then I've seen where people say, you know, you command it. Be militant. Be aggressive. Ah, so then I prayed for sick people like that. I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. I rebuke this sickness, you know, and just get rough with it. <laughs> and get loud, you know, and they still don't get healed. I don't know. And then I've tried, you know, more contemplative, relaxed prayer. I do know a prayer that I don't want you praying for me when I'm sick is, Lord, you know, if it be thy will, heal Pastor Dale. Please don't pray for me if that's how you pray. Because see, the reverse of that is, Lord, if it's your will, heal Pastor Dale. If it's not your will, kill him quickly. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't need that prayer. Because you, you then introduce the aspect that it might be God's will for me to be sick. And it's never God's will for you to be sick. That's what I want you to understand. God wants you healed, well, and whole. That's clear in the Bible. God don't want you sick. God did not make you sick. God did not put the sickness on you. God has paid the price by his stripes for that sickness to leave your body. Now, what, what we're doing, and I'm saying this in very delicate ways, I'm not loading it all on you, but there is an aspect that if your faith can rise up in him, then, then you can receive freely what grace has provided. Now, so what I've learned today, this is what I'm trying to share with you, um, is I, I've learned to, this is my prayer now. I've shifted my praying. And I'm not saying you've got to mimic me, and you may not agree, and that's fine. Uh, but this is my prayer for sick people now. L Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Now, that may sound strange to you until you start reading your Bible. But God's mercy flows like Niagara Falls. It never diminishes, and, and it flows with great grace, love, and mercy flows continually and constantly with God. And I'm not trying to get God to pour out His mercy, grace, and love, and healing upon you. I'm just trying to get you to slide over under the waterfall. That's all I'm trying to do. Uh, so, but, you know, God's mercy is displayed a lot of times, and sometimes with profound physical healing. Uh, sometimes it comes transformative, like inner healing. I believe in that. Uh, at other times, we, we just praise God for the natural recovery that happened to the person. Or other times, we give God glory for the, for, for, for the medical interventions, for the uh, science, scientific medical advances in these disease processes that took care of it. Praise God. 
It's still God because it was good, and we can still praise God for it, even though it was at the hands of a doctor or the hands of a, a drug or you know I don't care, and I don't think God cares how you get healed. You know I've, I've seen Christians say, well you know, and I used to be that dumb person. You know, well if I keep taking my medicine, well you know that is that lack of faith with the Lord. I mean, come man, knock it off. Take your pills till you don't need them, okay, and just relax. Okay, don't don't worry. Okay. That, that capsule's not going to stop God's healing, you know. That's not what does it, okay? Um, you know, but understanding that God is mercy. God doesn't have mercy. God is mercy. God is grace. God is healing. I mean, you got to understand that. Why? Because God is love. And, and that flows out of His love. And knowing He always answers the prayer, Lord, have mercy. He always answers that prayer. And I could stand here for hours just reading you verses about mercy. And, I, and so what I've tried to do, and I'm going to say tried there because I don't want to be, I don't want to write a check that I can't cash. You know what I'm saying? With my mouth. But what I have tried to do now in my older age, <laughs> I know I don't look at thank you, uh, but I have tried to stop getting offended at God when he don't obey my commands. To heal a person. Because I have really gotten upset with him. He has made me look really bad. <laughs> He's made me look super unanointed. When he didn't answer my prayer. And especially when I was hollering it out. Commanding it. I mean come on God. Just didn't work. So my role now. Is to try to just draw people under the waterfall. Of his grace, love and mercy. And, and, and so we really need a course on how to receive. Uh, religious people think in terms of earning it, deserving it, you know, in regard to their healing, uh, especially in their healing, and, and even in their blessings. And, and I don't care how many times, especially when I was a young preacher, I would, we would pray for people that were sick, and we'd be praying for healing. And I would hear people around me praying, Lord, please heal sister so-and-so. She's been a faithful Sunday school teacher for 30 years. Oh, God, come. You know, they would do all that kind of stuff. As if being a Sunday school teacher for 30 years qualifies you for healing. We do the same thing that they did in Luke chapter 7, verses 2 through 7. This is the story in Luke 7, verses 2 through 7. This is the centurion has a servant. This is a Roman soldier, centurion. By the way, he is not Jewish. He is Roman, Gentile. He has a servant that is sick to death, that is dying. And in, it, and in verse 2 it says he was sick and, 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 and this, this centurion loved him. He was dear to him, it says, but he was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews to him. He sent these Jewish people to, to Jesus because Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying that the one for whom he should do this was what? Deserving. See, in their minds, the Jews thought like a lot of people do today. Well, they deserve to get healed. If God was going to heal anybody, he would have healed my granny. She was the sweetest person on them. See, but he don't heal based on that. But, but, and, and then say, for he, look, what, look at the reasons in verse 5. For he loves our nation and he, he built us a church. Synagogue. But, I mean, God should heal the guy, right? Because he loves the Jews. Jesus is a Jew. And he built them a synagogue. I mean, who's more deserving to get their healing than that? And that's the way they thought. And that's what they approach Jesus with. And if you approach Jesus with, I deserve this, I'm going to go and tell you, you're going to leave without it. Okay? Okay, so then Jesus, he hears that. He knows that's all wrong, but he goes with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. So this guy says, I know I'm not a Jew. I don't even have a right to ask you. I'm not worthy. I'm a Gentile. You're not even supposed to come as a Jew under a Gentile's roof. I just know that. that and, and so what did he do? He put his faith in the goodness of God through Jesus. And that's the key, y'all. And, and so he said, if you just speak the word, I know you'll be made whole. And from that self-same hour, that guy was healed. But before I leave that story, Jesus did this. It said, he, Jesus marveled. Only two times in the whole New Testament did Jesus marvel. He marveled here. And he said, he said let me tell you all something. I have never seen such faith, not in all of Israel, as I saw in this man. Faith in what? Faith in faith? Uh-uh. 
Faith in the goodness of God. He said, I ain't never seen that like this. He said, yeah, he marveled. He marveled another time at their unbelief. That's the only few times he marveled. So, so then we, we go to the other story, and we go to a story uh, in Mark 7. I won't read it, but this is a Greek woman. She is a Syrophoenician woman, which means non-Jew, Gentile woman. There she is crying out uh, uh, to, to Jesus because her daughter is so demon-possessed. Her daughter seems, as you read the Scripture, seems to be sick, but it's probably due to a demon from their understanding and they're crying out, and, and, and she wants, and this is what she cries. And you've heard me, some of you have heard me teach on, but she says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus ignores her. It says he ignored her. He ignored her prayer. How rude of Jesus. I thought he was supposed to be sweet. Here's a woman in desperate need, got a demonized daughter, and he ignores her. Does that sound like the Jesus that we know? Uh-uh. There's got to be a reason here. He ignores her. She doesn't shut up. She keeps on louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Notice what prayer she's praying. The mercy prayer. But she's, she's adding to the front of it, son of David. What that is, and if you don't know, she is evoking Jewish covenant. She is evoking that she is the seed of David. She is saying, I am of the seed of David, and I am in covenant with you through David. Therefore, you're supposed to heal my daughter. She's using religion, y'all. It's the same as saying, heal me because I'm Baptist. Or heal me because I'm Pentecostal. Or heal me because I go to church every Sunday. Or heal me because I speak in tongues. Or, you know, whatever. So, that's not right. So, the disciples tell, you know, Jesus, send this woman away because she, she won't shut up. And, 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 and Jesus says in her hearing, the woman's right there. He says, he said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to the little dogs. This woman heard that. You don't think that kind of mm, stabbed her heart? Jesus just called her a dog, and it wasn't like a good, what's up, dog? It wasn't none of that. It wasn't that kind of dog. This was bad dog. Because in the Jewish culture, all non-Jews were dogs, Gentiles. It was, it was not good. So he said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread, the covenant bread, to the little dogs. The woman said, yea, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Whew. That's all Jesus was waiting for. I feel God so strong right now. He said, woman, great is thy faith. And her daughter was healed instantly. What was Jesus doing? Was he being mean to the woman by ignoring her, by calling and agreeing that she is a dog, Gentile, outside the commonwealth of Israel, outside the covenantal blessing? What was he doing? No. He's trying to bring her over under the waterfall of love, grace, mercy, and healing. Where was she at? She was outside of it in her mind thinking religion will do it. If I'm in the right religion, if I say the right prayer, if I do it the right way. No, no. This is not faith in faith. This is faith in God. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples one time, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And, and, and faith is not where you psych yourself up, you know, get yourself all psyched up and have faith in faith. And see, I've tried all that stuff. I've tried, you know, I've tried all kind of ways to approach God for Him. I've tried the, you know, the word of faith, you know, call things be not as though they are. I've tried word of faith, you know. And I've tried, you know, declaration. I've tried all that stuff. None of that stuff works. Now, what works if I can get people, if I can get you to put your faith not in me, not in some bland verse, but in Him, goodness. I can't explain it, but somehow you, that's when you connect and you draw into your body. And when you draw that in, it shows whatever's wrong out. Jesus said, I, when that woman pressed through the crowd, touched his garment, issue of blood, he felt virtue go out of him. And what went out of him went into her and drove out whatever was in her that was not of him. Whew, that's good. And over and over, 
in the Bible, we have examples of people who were healed by saying the have mercy prayer. Ten lepers approach. Have mercy on us. Have mercy. He healed them all. Blind Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. They said, be of good cheer. He calls for thee. He healed him. I can go on and on. Where they, the, the, they cry out, have mercy. And what they leave with? Physical healing. So this is what Brother Dale does now. When you come to me for prayer, I am trying all that other stuff. Now when I stand before you, you my precious people, I want to see every one of you healed. I want to be healed. I've experienced healing in various ways. All I'm saying today, and please don't take the little testimonies I gave, that's not an example of the only way. I'm just simply being honest and saying the way that I've seen the most fruit of people getting no kidding, no joking, I mean just flat out, flat healed, is when I've been able to move in the realm of the Spirit through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether that revelation came through a prophetic dream or however, or a word of knowledge, like it did with Marilee. But when I'm, see, that's why they're called gifts, because those gifts of the Spirit are not to make me look like I'm anointed or I'm some powerful dude with the Lord. It's to increase your faith in Him. That, it's a gift. And, and I, I wish I could move in that every Sunday. And this place would be packed. People love to come watch a show, you know. I mean, it, it would. And I want to see God's, and God wants the people healed. But, but the, the Bible says that in Mark 5, it's when Jesus marveled. It said Jesus marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. And then the next verse says, this is strange now, if you're not listening. He said, and he, and he there could not do many mighty miracles except that he has laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. What happened? Their unbelief shut down their ability to receive from Father. It shut it down. Now, if Jesus himself stood on this planet... And, and, and the people's belief or non-belief affected what he could do. How much more do they, it affects what Brother Dale can do or you can do or, or we can do? So we have to get the people to believe. Now, if you read the next verse, it says, And he there could not do many mighty miracles except that he laid his hands on a few sick folks. One thing I want you to see here is that the atmosphere can be non-conducive for miracles. And, and it don't flow too good. That's why when Jesus went into the house with, with the little 12-year-old girl laying dead and the house was filled with funeral mourners and they were wailing and carrying on and so many people and Jesus went in with his disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John. He went in and, it, and the Bible said Jesus put them all out. Why did he put them out? He had to get all that unbelief out of the room. He wasn't being rude. He wasn't being mean. But can you imagine you go to a funeral there wailing and crying and carrying on? Because they didn't do like we do. They don't keep them out a week or two. Sundown, boom, this thing's, they finna go to a tomb somewhere. They didn't have them bombing, you know, anyway, that's just the way they did. So they got to get all the crying in. In fact, in Jewish culture, they hired mourners. They hired them. The more wealthy you were, the more mourners and whalers. And they would be people hired to wail and mourn. If you look in the Middle East today on news reports sometimes, you'll see where a person has died in those funerals. And there's whalers and mourners walking in that procession. That's how they did in that culture. And they still do it today. And they wail. And they'll hire people to wail and moan and mourn. They may not even know the person. And so Jesus walked in. He said, what's all this turmoil? They were wailing, carrying on, you know. The more hollering you got, the, you know, that means the more upstanding citizen you are. You was able to hire more whalers and mourners. And that Jesus said, he, he, said for, he said, why all this confusion and wailing and moaning? He said, for the damsel is not dead, but merely sleeping. And the Bible said they laughed him to scorn. Whalers turned to laughers. Quickly. They laughed him to scorn. I think like, <laughs> I mean, that's like, this guy's a nut. We got a dead girl here, and he said she's asleep. And then when they said that, that's when Jesus said, man, y'all got to go. <laughs> he opened the door and said, get out of this house. 
Can you imagine leaving that service? Man, Jesus told us to get out the house. Can you? Nobody tell me, you know, all that. <laughs> she put them out. They out there in the yard having a committee meeting on how they're going to get rid of Jesus or I can't believe how rude he is or who he think he is putting me out the house. And he put them all out. It said he put them all out. I can't wait to get to heaven and check out that DVD. I want to watch that one in my... And he put them all out. And then there's nobody in there but the mama and the daddy, Peter, James, and John. How many is that? Five-fold ministry. Okay, here we go. So then he looks at her and he speaks in Arabic, Talatha which means damsel I say to arise. She rises up. She, she was just asleep then. You know what I'm saying. She was dead, but he raised her from there. Jesus would not dignify death by calling it death. Jesus said, you ain't nothing but sleep. I'm putting a knock the sleep off you, girl. I mean, so he raised her from the dead. And then he said, y'all give her some Captain Crunch, because when I open that door, I want this bunch to see her eating breakfast. Because if y'all don't, they're going to declare she's Casper the ghost in here. So give her something to eat. And Jesus did that. Why? Atmosphere means... But what I'm saying is he could not do many of my miracles except he laid his hands. Listen to me. Don't ever give up even if the atmosphere ain't conducive. Just put your hands on them. Because the devil can't block that. He, he, the atmosphere he can fool around with. But he can't fool around with my hand. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right? Put your hands on them. Pray in faith. Not in your prayer. Not in your anointing. Not in your church. Pray in his goodness. And so when people come to me, now i got to quit this, but when people come, whatever their disease is and sickness, whatever it is, I've come to them, I'm going to call this a more contemplative prayer. I've had wonderful successes. I've had horrible failures. I've tried to say, well, you know, I'm not the healer to him, you know. He wants everybody well. And I see that in his life and how he did ministry. Something that hit my mind yesterday that I never thought about is when I just never seen this. And I'm not saying it's inspired, but it, it seemed to help me. But I see Jesus now. He's been crucified. He's resurrected. He's hung out for 40 days on the planet in his glorified body, right? He's at the Mount of Olives. He's just going to lift off. The Bible calls it the, the great ascension. He's going to ascend back to heaven, right? He's standing at the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olivet. He's looking across the brook Kidron and across the Kidron Valley. <clears throat> and he sees the eastern gate that he had rode in just a few weeks earlier on that baby donkey. And uh, when he rode in there, they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord save us. They throwed palm branches and praised him. Them same people turned right around just a couple of three days later, and hollered, crucify him, crucify him. He's standing there now, and his time on the planet in that form is over. He's going back to the right hand of the Father. He's not going to leave us as orphans, for he's given his Holy Spirit to indwell every person. But he knew when he lifted off that it would be different. I'm trying to get through this. I never saw this, never read this. Don't make me smart. It's just. But I saw that when the Lord was going to lift off, he knew there were still thousands of sick people and afflicted people on the planet. And he was leaving them. He knew there were hundreds of people in Jerusalem that he just didn't get to, that needed to be physically healed and were dying in their homes. And he was lifting. But in that moment, I saw in his heart that he, and you and I, we, I will never surrender you or a member of my family or any human over to cancer or to any disease. For it is an enemy against God. But I will surrender myself and I will surrender you into the care of a loving father. I will cast all of my care upon him for he cares for you. And faith is that we have a Father God who loves and cares for us and is active and involved in our lives every day. And He loves you. And I saw that Jesus, as He ascended, had to, to surrender those people who were still sick 
Now, he hadn't approached them. He hadn't prayed for them, but he knew they were there. But he surrendered them over to the care of his Father and to the Father's mercy. And that we, God has somehow decided to, to use man, a, co a cooperative, willing heart, through prayer, to co-labor with him in this earth. That's, that's what he's decided to do. And that's why prayer is so uniquely, specifically important. So, all I'm saying to you is keep praying for people. Keep believing for yourself. Don't lose faith in God or in His goodness or in His love or His care for you. And just because you've prayed for people and believed for them to be healed and they were not and you attended their funeral, do not invent a theology that would rob you of joy and faith in Him. I know it's difficult. I don't make light of it. But I just say, Papa, I, I surrender this person to your loving mercy and your grace and your care. I pray that they receive the healing in their body that they so desperately need. I have seen people so desperate for healings. They would do ridiculous things and I've been one of them. But desperation and faith are not the same thing. They are totally different. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to fire up the prayer chain for that little child that is sick and throw it all over Facebook and say, we've got an urgent need. We need as many people praying as possible. See, that's making God out to be the unjust ruler. That's making God to be, and the parable that Jesus told is to say God's not like that. He's not like that ruler that the widow comes to and keeps asking, and the, and the ruler finally says, if I don't give this woman what she wants, she's going to wear me out, and he finally answers a prayer. The parable's point is don't keep, keep being persistent and just keep on praying because that's the way God is. The parable says this is not how God is. God's not a wicked servant. You don't need to get a petition. You don't need to get a thousand signatures on your prayer for healing to get God to heal your grandbaby. It ain't based on how many people. It's based on one thing, your faith in a loving father who cares about that sick grandbaby, who cares about your broken heart, who cares about the suffering and affliction and the pain and the trauma and all that goes with sin and death, sickness and disease. And he loves you so much. Have I told you that yet? <laughs> He loves you so much. And I pray to God this helps you today. Helps you to not be scared of that subject of physical healing. And know that you're part of a church here that we still believe in healing and we still every now and then see it <laughs> in spite of ourselves. But we know that our Father desires healing for every person. Every person. Whether they in church, out of church. You know, he loves you. And just, my job now is to see, at Niagara Falls, that's grace, love, mercy, it's flowing, it never diminishes. I told you, whether I'm paddling strong down below or just relaxing in the kayak, the water pressure still comes at the same level. God's love and grace and mercy is not contingent on me. And so I just try to, you know, just talk, man, it's dry, I'm in a dry season, Brother Dale. I say, well, come with me, I know where, let's go over here. And get them under that waterfall. That's my job as a preacher. Just try to get you. And all of a sudden they're under the deluge of that. Not delusion. But the deluge of water. God's grace, love, and mercy. Now it's flowing to them. It's flowing to them. It's washing them. It's cleansing them. It's healing them. That's what I, that's what I want to do. And so I just say, Lord, I pray what those ten lepers. Lord, have mercy on me. I used to think mercy was just, you know, please don't judge me or don't, you know, don't make me get what I deserve. That's not, I, it's in there. Read it. Have mercy. What happened? They got healed. Have mercy on me, Bartimae. He got healed. I said, that's a good prayer. I'm going to make that my prayer. Then I read like Psalm 136 where every verse says, and his mercy endureth forever. And then it'll make a statement, and his mercy endureth forever. And I just read it last night. And you read another, and his mercy endureth forever. And verse after verse, his mercy endureth forever. <laughs> and after you read that, man, it's like you want to just headbutt the wall. I mean, 
Come on. His mercy never runs out. And if these guys got healed by just saying, have mercy upon me, then I'm going to do what they did. And I'm going to do it with a heart to approach him as the loving father that he is. Not because Dale knows the exact incantation or quote or how loud to holler it or what oil to use when you anoint them or all that stuff. None of that. No more for me. No games. No religion. No son of David evoking religion. God, because you're good, and the only thing you want to do with that Syrophoenician woman was get her out of all that unbelief, out of all that false religion, out of all that trying to, trying to you know, come through some religious form. You know, no, daughter, just come to me because I'm good and I love you and I care for you. And once you connect to that love, boom, that sickness got to go. Amen? Stand with me. Man, if I helped you, please give God praise for that. And I'd like to pray for you, okay? It's 12-11. I went 11 minutes over. Bad preacher. Father, thank you for your healing water. The grace, love, and mercy that flows, which is you. I pray for every person that may be standing here listening to this message that is sick in their physical body. May their faith rest in you. May they do what those lepers, what Bartimaeus, what many have done. Have mercy on me. For your mercy endureth forever. We surrender not to a disease or a sickness or a diagnosis, but we only surrender to your love, grace, and mercy. Let healing infuse their bodies. Let their faith in your goodness draw from that well that never runs dry. Let those healing waters flow in to their physical body right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray for the sick, believing in your goodness to see them recover, to see them restored, to see them healed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Love you so much. Uh, if you want prayer for any reason, I'll be down front. I'd love to pray for you.